You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. Hello and welcome to the Center for Rural Health Research podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Lloyd Cusick. say I've been looking forward to this episode for a while because I know exactly how interesting and well-spoken the guests we have on the program today are. They're working on a very exciting program I think you're going to love hearing about. But before we dive in, here's a little bit of background to help you put all this in context. The Center for Rural Health Research was started back in 2004, and at the beginning, and well, and still to this day, the goal of the center is to provide high-quality and community-informed evidence on rural health issues in BC to help health policy decision-makers in our province make well-informed decisions. Now, meaningful and ongoing engagement with the patients who live in rural and remote communities across BC has been a central value for the CRHR from the start, with the belief that the best research and any policy changes that come out of it should be firmly grounded in the realities of patient experiences. So, today we explore exactly that, meaningful patient engagement with rural health issues across BC. Now, as I mentioned before, we have two fabulous guests on the program today to help us kick off. We're joined from Golden BC by April Hards, author of The Hards Method, a tool designed to help guide expectant mothers through planning for their own well-being after giving birth, and Dr. Jude Cornelson, co-director of the Center for Rural Health Research, who is partnering with April in testing The Hards Method here in BC. April and Jude, welcome to the program, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us. (laughs) April, I wonder if you could actually get us started. Uh, Could you tell us what The Hards Method is and what inspired you to create it? Um, first I'm going to correct you, uh, it's for expectant parents, because as we know, um, all sorts of folks can carry, uh, babies and have babies. So it's for expectant parents and it started out of my own need to feel connected within the community. I have a uh, complex dissociative post-traumatic stress disorder. So for that, I have 70% more likely to get postpartum depression. And I'm like, <laughs> I guess I'm probably an extremist advocate for my mental health. (laughs) I'm constantly just like trying to stay on top of it and making sure I'm utilizing resources in my community. Um, I don't take for granted that that's kind of a rarity in someone with mental illness, but I noticed a lack of connection. I didn't feel connected between my counselors and my uh, clinic or the clinic in the hospital even, or the emergency department and my counselors and For me, I wanted everybody to be on the same page just to make sure that I didn't fall through the cracks. I mean, I ended up not getting postpartum depression, which is fabulous, but um, it was just, it was just that safety net. I just needed to have that. Mm -hmm. And how does the HARDS method address that, that gap you just mentioned? Um, It puts everyone on the same page in the aspect of in the method, there's a series of questions, um, but some of them directly will be like, uh, mention your supports, you know, your personal supports, um, professional supports and hired supports. Like say you've hired a midwife or a doula, um, you would list them or, you know, say your grandmother is going to be one of your supports or your family doctor, you have a therapist. So in there, you would list all of them, um, in order of importance. And at the end of the method, we have a release of information, uh, mm-hmm. thing to sign. And so the idea is once you finish it, every single person that's listed in that will get a copy of it. And then you've signed a release of information saying like, yes, these people can communicate. And in there, there's also tools that help you understand of like, when should you be communicating with the doctor if you're a personal support or doctor, when should you be reaching out to the personal supports just to 
to double check what you might think is going on. So that's how it connects people. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned, so there's a, a range of questions and kind of sections to this tool that helps people think through the kinds of supports they might need. And I, I think also kind of a, a baseline assessment of what it looks like for them to feel well. What are the kind of sections comprise the tool? Like we have a section that is just titled supports. We have a section um, when the wheels are falling off. Um, and the, the beginning section is just all about your baseline. It really talks about um, your experiences, like what to expect when you're, what you're expecting, right? Not what to expect when you're expecting, but like, what are your expectations? Like, are you planted? Are you going to be on a scale of one to 10? Um, like feeding other feeding plans uh, and ask you like, what things would you normally do? What is, when you can think of situations where you've been in distress, how have you liked to be treated or how have you reacted in those situations? Um, it helps identify red flags, you know, and by talking about what you're like when you're well, it will give you a better understanding of what you're like when you're unwell. And what, what was the development process like for you? How long did it take to develop and what kind of resources did you draw from? Um, I took... I think it was a couple months it took me to actually write it because I took it really seriously, like going mm. through therapy and stuff. Um, I just, I brought it up to both my therapists. I have two, two therapists, uh, um, it's like nurse therapist, uh, where we just really talk. I'm kind of like sensitive to the word talk therapy, but I don't really know how to call it. Um, and then art therapy. So I kind of used both resources to help. Um, come up with questions and just like get advice of what do you notice about me when I come in here and I'm unwell, mm -hmm. like, and then used a lot of thought a lot about my experiences in therapy of like what helps when they talk to me and the way they talk to me. Um, and think about in society with the stigmas of like what I don't like to be talked to, like, you know, mm -hmm. that's a huge thing for me, communication, like the wrong thing can just like devastate me, you know? So yeah, I'm really mindful of that communication choices. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, and Jude, how did you get involved with April? I mean, uh, you've been working with April for, for some time now, I understand. Uh, and as a researcher at UBC and working in rural health, uh, how did you two meet? Yeah, so I was actually um, was invited to do a community forum in Golden about um, maternity care and about needs of the of the population around um, what they were hoping for in, in the maternity care system. And uh, as I love to do. It was just such a great time to be in Golden and listening to mamas and families talk about their experiences. And in the forum, um, April was there and she stood up at the end and I was so struck by her advocacy, by her clarity, as we've just heard, by her articulateness and her, in her desire to work from a ground level, from, a, from, a, from the ground up, uh, to really create a space for resources to be available for rural um, women and families, childbearing people um, who are concerned about their mental health. And this is so important because, as you know, one of the very definitions of rural and remote health services is um, often low volume and low resources available. So a lot of innovation happens. A lot of time the innovation happens at the healthcare system level. And a lot of times it happens at the community level where it's ground up, where gaps are filled by citizen patients to meet a need. And so April was a shining example of exactly that. And she was so clear in her, her um, desire to destigmatize mental health issues mm -hmm. in the postpartum yeah. and in general. And I really resonated with that. And she provided a voice that we don't often hear in the health system in health planning a voice that is usually belonged belongs usually to communities or people that don't feel comfortable stepping up and saying this is my experience 
for really good reason. Oftentimes they haven't been listened to appropriately. They haven't been respected or their wisdom hasn't been taken up. But um, she was incredibly courageous and stood up and, and started talking about the importance of mental wellness in the postpartum period. And I was struck. Uh, that was that she had me there. And so the next day I made arrangements with a with a mutual friend to go and see her and visit her. And then it was, you know, the rest is history after sitting down on her couch and talking with her um, about what she was about and what she was trying to do and her lived experience and how her lived experience really um, played into the um, the framework that she's developed. I was absolutely sold. So a couple of months later, the opportunity came through the Michael Smith Foundation for Health Research to apply with um, through uh, a partnership grant with um, patient partners and researchers. And I just kind of thought out of the blue, hey, I sent her a message. Do you want to do this? And she wrote back really quickly and said, yeah, let's do it. So we very quickly and efficiently together co-created an application. We pulled it together, submitted it, and were successful. And I have to say, you know, grant uh, opportunities are always difficult. You never know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. It's kind of the luck of the draw. But I really believe that one of the, um, you know, kind of influences on our success was um, April's authenticity. She said it like it was. She she um, doesn't hide back my experience. And I it's feel re- feeling weird saying she because you're right here, April. But my experience <laughs> and my, uh, I guess, kind of infatuation with April is that she says it like it is. And I think we need more of that. She mm-hmm. doesn't hold back. She doesn't try to worry about how things will be interpreted. And that's incredibly important, especially when advocating for a group that's often silenced Mm -hmm. in our healthcare system. So we got the funding to do this project. We're just starting it off. And I couldn't be more thrilled. Certainly that clarity and honesty rings very loudly, at least to me as well. I mean, I I see it and I I really appreciate it. And like you said, Jude, you know, so important in in advocacy and speaking for people who may not otherwise have been as well represented as they should be in the conventional model of healthcare services. And so... um, and April, you've, you know, you've kind of done an amazing thing here. You know, as a person who doesn't come from a, a health background professionally, at least you saw something that needed to be done and you did something about it. And my question for you, I guess, is, you know, once you saw that something needed to be done and did something about it, how did you gain traction to actually take it to the point where we are right now? Um, and I understand there's, there's, a, there's a pilot study going on in Golden as well. I mean, that's pretty impressive to go from an idea to boots on the ground, as it were. <laughs> it's... It took me a long time to let it sink in. Like even after we got approval of the grant and everything, I was like, I am still not because I constantly in my life have waited for the other shoe to drop. And so when it finally was official and I passed my ethics course and everything was out, then I was like, and probably in the email that Jude sent, I, that I replied back to, there was probably an F yeah in there. <laughs> the honesty and clarity we're talking about, right? <laughs> like, that's my thing. And I had to clarify that with people in the beginning. I'm like, just so you know, you don't take offense, but I say this when I'm excited. So this is just a thing that I do. Um, so yeah, the project, pilot project is just like phenomenal to be, you know, a scared, pregnant, single pregnant woman with, you know, not very many family connections, no family connections within my community. I moved far away from my family. Um, and I have, you know, a friend circle, but I was lacking in that. And to see it go from there to come here is just quite phenomenal. And really it was 
I gave the midwife a copy. I gave public health a copy. Mm -hmm. I gave mental health a copy. I gave the women's center a copy, the family center a copy, my clinic a copy. Um, Both my counselors, certain friends that were listed in it had a copy. The emergency department had a copy. Like any Mm. place that I thought that I might be accessing help had a copy so that they would all be on the same page. There'd be like no questions about it. Um, And I think that's how it gained traction. It's just like word of mouth. Like I sent it out to so many people in the healthcare system that it was kind of like, oh, hey, there's this thing. And um, Mel uh, Weber, who's part of our team, and she does a bunch of things locally. She's a phenomenal woman. Anyways, um, she was doing physio with Virgil when he was uh, first born and coming around to showing me, you know, tips to help me support his development. And I was telling her about it and she really seemed interested in it and then uh, brought up this forum that we were having. And then that's when I met you. So that's kind of how it gained traction was just, Mm. I gave it out to everybody and um, I showed everybody it um, because I do, I talk about my mental health a lot and I am an advocate for it all the time. I hate the stigma around it and it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. how much we face in a day-to-day basis. Like if you don't experience it, you're, you know, it's hard to imagine the things that people will say to you in this day and age, because you have a mental illness and you're honest about it. Mm-hmm. It's alarming actually. Anyways. Mm-hmm. And, and presumably, I mean, this pilot study has evolved out of all that groundwork you laid when that time you were spreading out this tool to all the different people in the healthcare community. How's, how's the pilot study going? How long has it been going for? Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it's going really well. It's got a lot of positive feedback. I'm super excited. Um, Oh, I'm so excited about it. I just think it's the most phenomenal thing ever that there's uh, grants available for someone like me to actually have a voice in something that I believe citizen patients should have a voice in, you know, like people that have no clue about mental health and they're trying to direct mental health. It's like, well, that kind of doesn't make any sense to me. So to be included and have a voice, it just, it, it means, it means absolutely everything to me. I almost forget the question. Like I'm just so, Oh yeah, it's going super well. There's so much interest in it. Um, even people that aren't pregnant that have had babies years ago and their kids are grown up and in university want to do the hards method just to see like to give us comparisons of like if healthcare has changed that much in 25 years in regards to postpartum uh, mental wellness. Cause I have a few friends that just got it so badly with all of their kids and didn't realize until like their third or fourth kid that they even had it. And then there was no support. And when you talk to women today that are pregnant or that have had it recently, um, there's no support Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're finding like none at all. It's, it's, actually very uh gets me fired up even more to know the experiences of other women that actually have it and just like nothing Mm. like dead toe like no support uh so it's very interesting to uh get from the spectrum of like way back to today um and so yeah we did our focus group meeting um and now we're starting to set up one-on-one interviews with people where we'll actually go through the method answer it like they'll answer it um, and give us live feedback of um, where we need to add to it, what questions would be Mm -hmm. better, what they think could, you know, maybe be left out. Um, Yeah. And so, I mean, the next question I really is for both of you, you know, so after this pilot study wraps up, you know, what are are the next steps for the HARDS method and taking it to the rest of BC maybe, or I don't know, what are the next steps? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, what we're going to do is really look at how um, people respond to, to going through the framework, if it's of value to them, is, is one part of it. Um, it's the other really important part is to see how what the interface is between the HARDS method and this ground up kind of um, health services solution and the um, healthcare system. Because this is not at all to suggest there's not really good caring mental health workers mm-hmm. and family physicians and sorts of other people. Sure. But they're stretched to their limit in, in rural communities where it's not for lack of desire or lack of compassion. Yes. It's just physical on the ground. How much can you do? Mm-hmm. So what we want to look at is aside from people's experiences of going through um, the survey and how we could, or the framework, I should say, and how we could improve it. Um, also, what how we can make sure it interfaces with the care that is provided through the healthcare system. So once we understand that a little bit better through, again, one-on-one interviews with people and focus groups with the healthcare providers, um, we'll see what what the findings are telling us. And and I suspect, although I don't know yet, but I suspect um, that there's going to be good evidence to at least try to scale and spread this to some other rural communities to make it available outside of Golden to other places where um, anybody wants to get ready for their for their postpartum experience in terms of their mental in terms of their mental health wellness. So we're very very keen to um, go through very diligently and carefully the pilot project and then scale it up and apply for more funding to to um, apply it on a provincial level, maybe in you know a dozen communities or so across the province, so we can mm-hmm. um, get more data and feedback. I like to say we're going to have provincial domination <laughs> yes. of the heart. <laughs> I always think of, um, this is my like, <laughs> the honesty at play, but I don't know if you're old enough to remember Pinky and the Brain oh, yes. cartoon. What are we doing tonight? Um, <laughs> trying to yeah. take over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm always like trying to spread postpartum <laughs> mental wellness. Yeah. So as far as we can reach as much help as we can give and as much stigma as we can end, like I've got the energy and determination. It's just, you know, are people ready for it? Let's mm. go and see. Well, you know? it's really hard not to be excited about it with that much energy <laughs> behind it. I mean, um, it's, it's really, it's really inspirational. And one of the things that I, you know, when I first heard about the Howard's method that I asked myself kind of right away, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be asking themselves right about now is where can I find it? Can I look at this? Can I engage with it somehow? So, uh, you know, what's your online presence like? Is there a way that people can can learn about this themselves and read through it or anything? Or is that still to come? Um, right now, we have our Facebook page that has some information on on it um, in regards to the study and the funding and what the method is designed mm-hmm. to do. Um, the actual method itself, we email out on... Um, a basis for the interviews just because we are doing research mm-hmm. right now with it sure. to keep you know um, so the actual document is not you couldn't just go and download it from mm-hmm. somewhere because um, we'd really like to be able to engage with people that are using it um, so there's information out there on our website the hards method or facebook site the hards method i don't know we should probably get fancy and get on twitter instagram or something like that but i'm like <laughs> My stepdaughter, who is 12, told me Facebook is for old people. So I guess I'm one of those people. It's crazy how quickly that changes. Yeah, I know. I know. You know, get with our times. Go on Facebook and find it. (laughs) Um, You can also email us at thehards.method at ubc.ca. And gladly we'll respond back with some information and uh, see if you want to get in on interviews or anything like that with us. Fantastic. 
I think that's an exciting and inspiring little cliffhanger to wrap up today's episode on. Uh, so April and Jude, thanks so much for sharing what you've been working on uh, with me and our listeners today. And we really appreciate it. And we'll definitely be uh, staying tuned to your progress as things develop. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much, Nick. We love and uh, for the listeners out there, this recording as well as past and future episodes can be found on the Center for Rural Health Research website at crhr.med.ubc.ca or type CRHR into Google and we'll pop up because uh, the URL is really long. Uh, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify if you search for CRHR or the Center for Rural Health Research. As always, thank you for listening and take care. This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network. 